So this morning, uh, we're going to continue in our series called Make Room. If you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn to 2 Peter. Go to Revelation and back up, all right? Right there toward the back of your Bible. And this morning, there's, uh, you're not going to see anything on the PowerPoint. You're going to have to take your own notes. Uh, we're, we're just going to study a text together and see if God will show us how to make room in our heart for the promises of God. We're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1 in just a moment. But let's start this way. I know when you guys look at me, you've not known me for very many years, and you only know me in my grandpa mode, all right? But by definition, if I was if I'm a grandfather, I was once a father uh, of small children, and we had all four of them right there together, boom, 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 boom. And we were bringing four preschoolers uh, to church on Sunday morning. And in those days, we had a lot of Sunday night services. And this always happened on Sunday night. Sunday morning, we usually didn't go in the same car. I'd go early. But Sunday night, we were in the same car. We were traveling. We were going to the church house. And my kids, without exception, would always say, Daddy, can we go get an ice cream tonight after church? Every, every week. And it seemed like every week we went through the same drill. I said, we'll see. And the response was, we'll see means no. I said, no, it doesn't. It means we'll see. So promise, Daddy. Promise what? Promise we'll go get an ice cream. I'm not going to promise you we'll go get an ice cream. I'll promise you we'll see, all right? But I'm not going to promise you I'll give you an ice cream. Come on, Daddy, promise. Why won't you promise? And we go through the same drill every time. Because if I promise, that means I'm going to do it. And I don't know yet if I'm going to do it. So I'm not going to promise. You promise, Daddy? I promise we'll see. Okay? I can't promise we'll go. I'm in no way standing here today to tell you I raised my children perfectly and, and that we did everything right. I could make a big list to you of things I wish we could do again. But one thing I tried to see if I could do is when I told them, I'll do that, I'm going to follow through and do all I can to do it. As imperfect as I am as a father... This morning we worship a good, good father who is perfect in all of his ways. And here in 2 Peter, we read something about the promises of God that are both engaging and puzzling as we try to see how to make his promises present operating in our life. After Peter gives the initial greeting, he says in verse 3 that God's divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Hey, we could just stop right there. God's already given you everything you need for eternal life. God's already given you everything you need to be a godly representative of his resurrection life here on earth how did that happen 
It happened through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and to his own excellence. So when the calling of God happened in your life and you heard him inviting you to come and know him, when you responded with a, some simple declaration of, I know I'm a sinner and I can't save myself, and I believe Jesus died to be my Savior, in that exchange with God, he gave you, at the very beginning, everything you needed for life and godliness. You don't need any more of him. Now, there may be times you feel like he needs more of you, okay? But you don't need any more of him. He has given you everything you need through the knowledge of Christ when he called you to his own glory and excellence. But now in, in verse 4, we see something about the dynamic present tense of our walk. By which he, now by which what? His own glory and excellence or the divine power that he granted us when he gave us everything pertaining to the life and godliness. I don't know, all right? I tried my best. When you study, you need to look at prepositions. You need to see how things line up. You need to see what refers to the other. For those of you that hate school, I'm sorry I used the school word, all right? But you need to look at the connectors, and you need to see what connects to what. I can't explain which which he's talking about, all right? But I can gather up everything in verse 3 of his divine power, life and godliness, his glory and excellence by him doing that he granted to us his precious and very great promises his precious Peter pulls this word out again he used it in his first letter to talk about the precious blood of Jesus the costly the most precious thing there is now, since we're talking about me remembering the old days when I was a father of preschoolers, I remember our oldest daughter when she was first learning to walk. And she was stumbling around, and I would say to her, you're precious. She'd turn around and look at me, and I'd say, say it, honey, say, I'm precious. She would say, I'm precious, you know. And it was so precious to hear her try to say precious. I can't read that word without thinking of my precious children and my precious grandchildren. Do you get, do you get the feeling of it? Those of you parents in the room, do you get the emotion of the value of it? He has given us precious and magnificent powerful, mega. Do you know when you, anytime you say the word mega to modify anything in English, you're just quoting a good Bible word of it's mega. It's magnificent. It's bigger than you can comprehend. By all of that, he gave us precious and very great promises so that there's another one of those connectors. It's like a guy directing traffic on the road, pointing you, now, get, now go down this road. You have the precious and very great promises so that through them, through what? 
And David Jeremiah, when he's preaching, says, through what class? Okay, so let me ask you, are you with me? Through what? Through those very great and magnificent promises, you can become a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. Now, I want you to watch the timing of these promises. I'm, I'm very visual. If I had a marker board up here, I would try to draw it for you. So you're going to have to see it right here. Let me draw it for you, all right? By their very nature, promises go back to a point in time when something was declared or described. Then, at another point in time, you call on that promise to be a present reality with the expectation that if you engage that present reality, there will be a future consequence. That's how promises work. The very first promise, God said, I'm going to send one who will bruise your, when you bruise his heel, he's going to step on your head, Satan. He promised the coming of Jesus in the garden. He promised to Abraham, by your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And later we understand that promise to Abraham was talking about the coming of Jesus, how the Messiah would be born. Promise, it happens at a point in time when a declaration or a description of something is made. We see the character of God, we hear the promise of God, and then there comes a point in time that we engage that promise in a present reality. Let me show you why I think that timing is critical. Look at verse 4. In whatever means you have, He granted us precious and very great promises so that through them, the promises, you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. It seems that there's some kind of comparison that there is corruption going on and there there is a sinful desire going on, but by the promise of God, you can engage the life of God into a present reality. Now let's apply that to your life. Let's take a few promises and let's make room. Got to stay on topic here. You with me? Let's make room in our heads and in our hearts for the promises of God. What would be a promise that would come to your mind? I hope one of the first one that comes to your mind is I will never leave you or forsake you when you're anxious when you're worried when you're out of control when you can't fix it when you feel alone you feel rejected let's do all those feeling things all right you feel that it's not working We hear that promise in the night. You're mine. I love you. 
I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. How do the promises work? We take God at his word and we engage by faith in trusting that he is who he is and he will do what he said. So that by these precious and magnificent promises, we can come partakers of this divine nature. You know, there's always a struggle going on, and it's going on in America today, and it's going on globally of what is rightly called the error of prosperity gospel. Meaning that you can somehow claim some promise, and because God loves you, he's going to make you rich, healthy, famous, and all those things. But that's not how promises work. God promises in this corrupt society, this dying world, this self-centered cosmos that we're in, that by his promises, the divine nature gets engaged gets in gear and we can take him at his word even when we need it the most. You know, God gave us capacities to feel. He, he made us feeling creatures. But our feelings, oh, they can so get in the way. We can look at something and assign a feeling to it and later have a feeling and we don't even know how we got it. Paul said, I find myself doing what I don't want to do. I find myself not doing what I want to do. I don't understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. Anybody, anybody there? You, know, you ever feel that way? I mean, your feelings are just overwhelming you. What can you do in those moments of those feelings? I invite you to the promises of God. He said, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Is that you? Did you call on his name? Have you been saved? He said, fear not, I am with you. Do you really believe that he's with you? Or do you think sometimes he goes, nah, I'm going to take a break. You go ahead and do that without me. Nope. Good or bad, right or wrong, he is the God who is there. I couldn't decide this morning. You know, I, I had a list of like, let's, let's just take 10 promises. No, let's, let's just take 20 promises. Let's, let's figure out how to use these promises. And I, I just couldn't figure out how to make a short enough list that you wouldn't get mad and walk out and go eat lunch. So let's look at just, just a couple, all right? Go to Hebrews chapter 13. If, you, if you've got a physical Bible in your hand, it's just two or three pages back. If you're dialing it up, I don't know what your smartphone looks like, all right? But go to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 
Let's look at one of those promises so that we understand that by these promises, we partake of the divine nature. We engage the very character of God by the Spirit of God indwelling us of something he said about himself or something that was said about him. Now, keep in mind, wait, before you get there, look, i got to make sure I've explained this right. The promises of God are in first person, I will, but they're also in another case of saying he will. Okay, it can be first person, what is that? Second person saying, he will. Those are the promises of God. So we're trying to see what has he promised, what has been said about him, so that we can see that work in a daily struggling moment. Hebrews chapter 13, did I say that right? Chapter 13. The writer's coming to the end of the book. He's starting to list some things. He says, remember the prisoners in verse 3. He talks about marriage in verse 4. Look what he says in verse 5. Your life should be free from the love of money. In case you wondered where I got that little tangent a moment ago about uh, the prosperity gospel. <laughs> this one was on my mind. Uh, you're, you're to be free of the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. Hey, you want to just stop right there? That could be church this morning. Be free from the love of money and be satisfied. Does that mean you don't have a goal? No, it doesn't mean you don't have a goal. Does that mean that you don't go to work to make money? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means that you've come to the decision that you will never be satisfied with stuff. You'll never be satisfied with status. You'll never be satisfied with the things that you know are temporary. Be free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. <laughs> Why would those go together? Why would the writer, inspired by the Holy Spirit, put Almost in a hinge, be free from the love of money and be satisfied with what you have. Why? Because if you have Jesus, if you know his indwelling presence, if you know he will never leave you and forsake you, what do you need? What are you so stressed out about? I mean, what are you trying to accomplish or prove or hang on to? And then look what he says. He quotes another Old Testament verse. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? <laughs> wow. Have, have you ever stopped to think sometime when you're really arguing about something, after you get all that worked up stuff going in you, arguing about it, have you ever tried to stop and say, why does that bother me? You know what you discover? You're trying to prove something. You're trying to hold on to something. You're trying to control something. But in those moments, to hear him say, hey, psst, I'm here. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lord, you are my helper. 
What am I trying to prove? What can mere man do to me? That's how promises work. They do work. The scripture says we're to work out our own salvation. What does that mean? Figure it out? No. It means to work out of you what God's already worked in you. To let it work. How do the promises work? We're engaged in a present reality with something that's difficult. And we hear God say, you know what I said about myself? You know what was said about me? Do you know what I said I would do? And by those precious and magnificent promises, we engage the very divine nature. I I really struggled if I'm going too far in this, and I don't think I am. I, I think it's almost like wheels that you can see working together in some kind of machinery and I'm getting way out of my league trying to describe this, all right? But, but I've seen it where they were apart and then the gear was engaged and you pull the lever and they go together and it begins to work. Can, can you picture that? That's how these precious and magnificent promises work. It's like they're just, they're right beside what you're facing and doing and you stop and Take God at his word and watch the word work. Like I said, I could take 15 or 20 of these, but I'm just going to show you one more. Believe it or not, we were singing about a lot of these this morning. Had nothing to do with the fact that I picked the songs, okay? Uh, Romans, go to Romans. The book of Romans chapter 8. It'd be interesting to make a list of who's memorized what verse and and see what kind of verses we could find that you've seen thrown around and you've memorized them and some of them you memorized and use it correctly, some you may not. But, But here's one for you. Romans 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Huh. So God, are you telling me that this bad thing that has come upon me, this evil thing that has overtaken me, this past week I was on the phone with a guy, video call with a guy. He's a missionary. Uh, I shared a prayer request about him on my Encourage Global about the languages, unreached people groups and language projects in West Africa. You may see it on there. I was talking with this guy and we're trying to, I'm trying to help him move to another section of his ministry. We're talking it through about what he's doing in West Africa. And there for just a moment I was hit. This is the guy whose son in his 20s Stopped to pick up a hitchhiker about seven or eight years ago, and the guy killed him. His son was murdered in trying to do something that he thought was helpful. 
it was brought up recently because they had to go to trial and he had to go to the trial of the man all the delays that go on in the court systems. Now, how do you think he'd feel this morning if I said, all things work together for good? He'd probably struggle a little bit with that promise. Creator, God is good. This evil present in this world, it is encountered by us. But God has promised there's a day we can't see, there's a time we can't understand, there's a hope of eternity that we cannot in these bodies and minds comprehend. And God says, all things are working together for good. So how do you, child of God, how do you engage that precious and magnificent promise? You come to the one who called you and has given you everything you need for life and godliness. You come to him and you cry, oh Lord, I need you. Oh Lord, I don't like this. Oh Lord, I believe in you, but I don't know, I don't have a clue what you're doing. And you think God says, me either, I don't, I don't have a clue what's going to happen. No. He says, yeah, remember when you talked to that little child and you were the grown-up in the room? And you understood some things that little child didn't understand. So you said, no, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to do it this way. How does God feel about evil? That's a different sermon, all right? This sermon is, can you take the promise of God that all things work together for good? You say, well, I want to, but I don't quite know how to. Well, next time you get in that fix where you want to believe that something could work together for good, but you don't feel like it, you don't know what to do about it, here's what you do. You go down to verse 31. You keep reading because the divine logic of explanation is right here. What are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? He did not even spare his own son, but he offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? I get that. That's the logic that God uses to fulfill his promise in this moment. He said, here's how you understand. If I was willing to give my son, don't you think with my son, I'm willing to give you everything you need for life and godliness, even walking through the things you don't understand? Now, I realize I got off into some meddling places with some of you this morning. And I want to I take one little step back to make sure we're okay. I'm in no way belittling 
the difficulty of your struggle. I've had some dark clouds and difficult times, but maybe nothing like yours. But I still believe the promise of God that he is with you and he will not forsake you. If you're having difficulty working through that, just can you find that much in his promise? Because it's like being in a dark room with somebody who has on night vision goggles who can see and they take you by the hand and walk you out. He hadn't invited you to do this alone. He's invited you to take him at his word. Since we're trying to know how to engage these precious and magnificent promises, I want to show you one more, okay? Just one. I don't know if you're counting, but I'm far short of 10, okay? I go to 1 Corinthians. I'm headed the wrong way. Go to 1 Corinthians. No, 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. Go to 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, and let's see what the Scripture says about the promises of God because we're trying to understand how we make room in our life for these precious and magnificent promises that sometimes get crowded out by fears and doubts and problems and pain. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 in verse 15. If you found it and look up here, let me explain it because it's too much back and forth for us to just read through it. Do you look at me? All right, here's what's going on. He tried to come. He didn't get to come. And they're saying, well, he didn't mean it. Why do you say he's coming? If he, it's like, Daddy, you told us we were going to have ice cream. Why'd you go home? You see, I mean, it was that kind of thing, right? They, they thought he'd promised, and he, he, he couldn't make it. So he's going back and forth with them about how to keep his word. But look what he says. He says in verse, let's just start in verse 17. So when I planned this, was I irresponsible? What I planned, do I plan in a purely human way? I, I was so that I say yes, yes, and no, no simultaneously, but God is faithful, and our message to you is not yes and no. Stop right there. He said, now, now maybe I couldn't keep my yes, but God is faithful. God is not yes or no, yes or no. What is God? He says, verse 19, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you, Sylvanus and Timothy did not become yes and no on the contrary yes has about has come about in him here's why I had you turn verse 20 for every one of God's promises is yes in him every promise of God this morning is yes when it's in Jesus we can know if we've met God through Christ that his promises to us will always be, yes, I am fulfilling my purpose. That's why, therefore, the amen is also through him for God's glory. Now, here's how you put that verse together. Do you know how we often pray in Jesus' name, Amen. If, if you've been around church a lot, Johnny and I have talked about this. Sometimes I, I think all of you have been going to church as long as I have. Okay, I know some of you haven't, okay? 
But if, if you've ever been around believers or you've been around church very much, you know that there typically is a pattern when you know the prayer's ending. In Jesus' name, amen. Right? It's just kind of all crammed in there together. If we were praying right, we would start by saying, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. He's my one defense. He's my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. And I come to you in Jesus' name because I want Jesus to be present and working in my life right now. How desperately I need your divine and magnificent promises in him to work. And I come because I need you, yes, to be engaged in your presence. And then something in my heart cries, amen. What does amen mean? So be it. Yes, I agree. Have you ever been around anybody praying and someone's going, amen? Yep, amen. Let's just try it one time. Can you say it? Amen. You weren't right. You weren't quite ready. All right, let's just try it. Let's try it again. Say it together. Amen. What are you saying? Yes, I agree. Yes, that's right. The promises of God in Jesus are yes. And my heart cries, amen. This morning, I invite you to Christ. Some of you, it's a brand new relationship. But for some of you, it's a relationship in a moment of struggle. And you have to admit to him too many times. You've not tried to do it without him. And through his great and magnificent promises, he's saying, don't resist me. Let me show up in your life and do what I'm, what I'm very capable of doing. And you believe that he's working for your good even in the bad. And something in your heart hears, this is in Jesus' name. And your heart cries, amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we've come to you today. We've come confessing our need We've come depending on Christ. And we want to take you at your word. You've told us that you've given us everything we need through your divine power for life and godliness. We know we've been called to your own glory, to your excellence. So let your precious and magnificent promises be engaged in our life as we take you at your word and we partake of this heavenly, godly nature of Christ in me, the hope of glory. So Lord, like a little child, I know you're patient with me. But I want to grab your hand and not let go. So Lord, today I pray for my brothers and sisters, some who 
need a precious and magnificent promise released in their daily life. May they hear you say, I will never leave you or forsake you. If I am for you, who can be against you? If I gave my own son to die for you, will I not freely give you all things you need when you need them? So resurrected Christ, this morning you are the promise of God in our life and by the promised Holy Spirit who indwells us, our heart cries, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. For his glory, amen. Work in my life, amen.